This is the University of Applied Research and Development's Emergency Response and Risk Management video and podcast. You'll meet world-class leading professionals who share their wisdom, careers, and experiences. Join us on YouTube and all quality podcast platforms such as Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, and Radio Public. Welcome, everybody. This is the University of Applied Research and Development's Emergency Response and Risk Management Podcast. It is our privilege to have Ian Gerling with us. Ian is the Fire Industry Association Awarding Body Manager. Delighted to have you here. He's also a counsellor with the Warham Parish Council. I don't know when you sleep, you do so many things. (laughs) I like to keep myself as busy as I can. Tell us what you do. Um, okay, so I head up an awarding organisation. We set qualifications for fire safety engineering predominantly, um, and the vast majority of them are currently on fire detection and alarm systems. We are one part of a trade association, a coming together of businesses who have the common goal of improving fire safety uh, within the UK at present, but we do look as, around the world as well. We do have businesses from other countries. Um, And essentially, my role is to make sure, A, that the awarding body is compliant with our regulatory uh, requirements, and also that we're providing qualifications that serve the industry and make sure that the industry has had its say in telling us what it is that they need. So we're really proactive in making sure that we get it right and we get what the industry needs us to have. And so setting up an awarding organisation, it's a big deal. Yes, yeah, it definitely was. Um, we had to get, first of all, the industry to buy into the idea. We had to be able to demonstrate that the industry we're serving wanted an awarding body, that they wanted to have regulated qualifications. Prior to that, we had something set by our own in-house team. Um, but we wanted to know that when we were awarding a level three qualification, it meant something and that it was recognisable not only across the UK, but around the world as well. And it's currently tied in with European qualifications on the European Qualifications Framework. And we also have inquiries for our qualifications from Southeast Asia, from the Middle East, uh, as well as across Europe. So there's, there's definitely value in what we're producing. So what's your background in fire safety? Uh, my background in fire safety is very limited. Uh, I joined the Fire Industry Association, the FIA, in 2008. Prior to that, I was in haulage. And prior to that, in um, social care. My specialism is education. So I have been working with training courses, been working with educating people, and more recently with qualifications for much of my working career. As a result, I've not only got my own qualifications that I've worked towards, but the City and Guilds Institute here in London have awarded me a graduate of the City and Guilds Institute for recognition of what I do. Wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. All I needed to do was send them a CV, but it was, it was lovely to have the honour um, for them to say, yeah. We, we, in fact, they, up, and they increased the value of what it was that they gave me. I originally said, do I qualify as a member? And they said, we've looked at your, your work, your CV, and what you're doing, and you're actually, we're going to award you the graduate, which I was very, very pleased with. Wonderful. Um, you know, our strategic partners that we have, our exclusive partners, are two industry training um, organizations. Uh, one is Samson Tiara here in Indonesia, where I am, 
And then Wild Geese Group, which is in Kuala Lumpur, and they have partners all around the world. And they've been in the industry for 16, 20 years. And every year, they train between four and 5,000 people, um, from predominantly from oil and gas. The reason that I say that is that it seems that many of, many of the industries, including oil and gas and fire safety, they're recognizing that their members are highly skilled individuals. They're very professional and passionate about their, about their roles, their responsibilities, and they have not had the opportunity to get academic recognition, to get a real qualification. And when I say real qualification, I mean academic, because an industry yeah. standard qualification is robust and it is a real qualification. But aligning and getting recognition of prior learning and getting acknowledgement of the time and the energy and the investment in careers. The reason that I say that is, do you see industries, plural, moving in this way? Most definitely, yes. Um, it was because the industry kept saying to me, we want a qualification, we want recognised and nationally accredited uh, recognition of what we're doing, that we set up the awarding body, that we applied to the regulators here in the UK and gained recognition as an awarding organisation. There's a gap at present, um, learner comes out of full-time education out of school with understanding of physics and other sciences, with maths, with English, and so on. Um, and there's nothing vocationally, or there was nothing vocationally, that led you from there onto higher education. So you could come out of school with a series of A-levels, um, and you'd still need to bridge a gap before you could go on to do a fire engineering degree or go to university and do something along those lines. Um, so vocationally we felt it was the right thing to do the industry over here in the UK is employing um, engineers and technicians that have got an understanding but not a qualification and they wanted to make sure that they could demonstrate that those people do know what it is that they're doing mm. so you've identified a gap and you're, you're closing and closed certain parts of the gaps where are other gaps that you see that you're working on now, as long as it's not something we all need to sign an NDA for. <laughs> other gaps that the industry can be served. I think there's there's many gaps that the industry can be served. There's a lot in fire safety engineering, particularly within domestic and commercial premises, that should be covered. Um, recent incidents over here in the UK and in the Middle East have highlighted that it's it, it's vitally important that people are appropriately educated and recognised as such, and everything with regards to fire safety, whether it's compartmentation in buildings, whether it's um, systems development, systems installation and servicing, needs to be appropriately trained and recognised as such. Um, so you could go from you know, the installation and maintenance of a fire door through fire deception and alarm systems through to complete fabrication and engineering of, of buildings. Right. I love hearing this from you because it's great for our students, our graduates and those people that are in one part of emergency response and maybe mm. they're on an oil rig and they're the chef or they're a diver yep. or there's something else, but they put their hand up to fill that hole in the organisational chart which says, you know, I have these certain industry safety qualifications so that yes. the oil rig can keep working. I would also yeah. like them to see that their, their training, their experience and their careers can go much wider and much further. Most certainly. Um, school leavers at the moment often go into electrotechnical roles, for example, um, and don't see fire alarm systems as an appropriate route. It's not attractive enough for them. But if we can sell vocational education in fire alarm systems and then say to them, it's just the opening of a door and you can go on to fire safety engineering at university 
and then the whole world's your oyster. We know that there is demands for high quality engineers in the Middle East, which would then tie into the oil and gas sector largely, but also into hotels and things like that. Um, so there's a whole demand around the world for people who are qualified and educated as such. Um, it doesn't have to just stop at going to your local supermarket and servicing a fire alarm system. Right. You said that uh, you've got the trade organisation or industry trade organisation. So who are some of those, some of those members? How widely do they, where do they come from? Oh, they come from a huge range. We've got small one-man bands who work the high street and go out and service uh, portable extinguishing systems or go and do a fire risk assessment on the premises, right the way up to the multinational companies um, who are working, you know, across the US, across the Middle East um, and Asia, uh, and also have offices here in the UK. And the interesting thing for them is they have to be able to adapt and understand according to the national standards of where they're working. And I know within some of those organisations, they've got individuals who are not work, not only working to British standards here in the UK, but they could be working to US standards when they're talking to their colleagues in America, or they could be to, you know, working to French standards when talking to colleagues in Europe. Mm. So it's necessary for them to understand the whole range of what they're doing. And we need to be able to put that into our education and training. We don't necessarily make somebody competent in US or French standards but we do make them aware that it's worth them knowing it when they move into that field. Right. Hmm. So for our graduates who may be thinking, Hey, the world is my oyster and yeah. I can go on and do other things. What sort of career advice would you have for people who are finishing the qualifications we have or thinking where to from here? I would suggest, um, I mean, the whole world's opportunity and Grasp it with both hands, uh, take the opportunity and run with it, but make sure that you know what varies between where you are and what you're doing. My experience of the fire safety engineering sector is people within them are quite protectionist about what they do, very, very passionate about what they do, and they can demonstrate that in the way they talk and the way they act. And it's that passion that carries them forwards. Employers often want to see a one-man band, a one-band fits all um, technician. Uh, they might want a single technician who's going into premises who can service a fire detection alarm system and a portable extinguishing system, and so on. It doesn't often carry over as efficiently and effectively as that, but that's what they want to see. So, read the standards, understand the regulations that you need to comply with, and then bring on the passion. Um, they will often say we are here in a life safety sector and I think that drives a lot of people. And then, as I say, they become passionate and in depth and for want of a better phrase, I often get called a geek. <laughs> <laughs> I find that the, um, the people that I've been reaching out to, to join us on this podcast and share their experiences from emergency response and safety, they are, um, they've really committed and they have a heart to be there. Sorry, can you say that again? The uh, sure. signal broke up. I find that the people that I've been reaching out to for, you know, coming on the podcast and the video cast, they're from safety organizations, response organizations, and they're very passionate and they're very committed. And the reason that they stay yeah. in the industry is because they have this, this desire to help and serve. And do you think that that's, um, that's universal? 
I think it is, yeah. Uh, when I first joined the industry, I was once told that once you're in, you never get out. So that's I'm just a prospect, but actually I've developed that passion. Um, I love seeing people grow and then to go out into the wide world and with the skills and, and knowledge that they've apply that not only in standard situations but what standards want you to see be able to know that but to be able to think about that system and to be able to um, adapt it according to specific circumstances that are there how important then is is the industry experience um it is very very important but it's do, it's very easy to fall into the trap of somebody who's been there done that knows what works and may not necessarily really have moved on with the times right. uh, things change technologies improve and advance and there are a number of technicians and engineers in the field who have been doing it for many 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 years and haven't been doing it wrong according to what they know and understand but they haven't necessarily kept up with the times so it's very important um, the industry is full of jargon so you need to know and understand that um, lots of acronyms and I know that people I talk to who are outside the industry look at me with a blank face when I start throwing acronyms in just by general conversation. Um, so the industry experience is very important to understand and, and be familiar with what you're doing. But it's not everything uh, because you can get caught up with people that, that haven't moved at times and things correct, but not current. Right. Okay. Ian, I really want to thank you for your time. I appreciate you doing it. We're in two different time zones. So lovely to speak with you. And I appreciate you um, thank letting you me interview much. you today. You're very welcome anytime. And thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. 